This podcast is sponsored by Xgrowth. Xgrowth is the APAC ABM agency. If you and your organization are looking to land and expand enterprise mid-market deals, Xgrowth is the agency to help. Xgrowth works with a wide range of international and global technology vendors, service providers, and B2B SaaS companies. If this sounds like some of your interests to know more about, make sure to check out Xgrowth at xgrowth.com.au. That's xgrowth.com.au and chat with the APAC ABM agency. What's up, marketers, and welcome to another episode of the Growth Colony Podcast. I'm Liza from Xgrowth to tell you that each episode we bring in B2B leaders to chat about how you can achieve those everyday wins in the marketing world. Whether you're new to the B2B game, working at a leadership level, or even just showing some interest, we know you'll love the episode. So grab a drink, get comfy, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode. I'm Shaheen Hoda with Xgrowth. And today I'm talking to Phil Lakin, VP of Revenue Operations at Aprimo. And we're going to be talking about ABM tech stack. We're going to be talking about how to build an ABM tech stack. There are a lot of technologies when it comes to ABM out there. There are a lot of variety and usually that comes with a lot of confusion. So what we're, what we're hoping to accomplish on, on, this, uh, on this episode is to demystify that a little bit and unpack it a bit for, uh, for anyone who's, uh, who's kind of looking to build that, build that stack up. So, Phil, thanks a lot for joining us. Oh, you're, you're welcome. I'm very excited to be here. No, great, great to have you on the podcast. And I've been looking forward to, uh, to this chat for, for a while. Let's, let's dive in and I want to get your opinion on what are some of the main pieces of an ABM tech or, or tech stack organizations should look, look into? Like what are, what are the bits and pieces that kind of come together to, to make that cohesive uh, tech stack? Absolutely. So there, the you, you've got to build it around your CRM to start with, right? So you got to you got to start with your your main source of truth um, for everything that you know about each account, be it a customer or be it you targeting new names. And your CRM has to have all of the information and is your your central point of connectivity, right? Rather than trying to chain systems together, try and connect everything into the CRM as best you can. You need a good intent platform, be that you know information about your existing customers or prospects, giving you information about what they're what they're searching for, or and uh, what they're engaging with. And there are intent aggregators, but also individual places like G two and Trust Radius, um, or you could be using Demand Base and Six Sense kind of kind of tools to aggregate that data together. You need a platform for your automation. So yeah, marketing automation, HubSpot or Pardot, you know, whatever, whatever floats your boat. You need a tool for outbound, outbounding, um, which is how are you going to reach out to these folks in an individualistic sense rather than the mass mailing from an automation system. You can do that with some of the automated marketing automation tools, or you can have separate tools like Outbound or SalesLoft to, to empower your BDRs or sales folks. You need a good metrics management platform. We use Snowflake and Power BI, but you need something to be able to pull the data together from all of the systems. 
as much as I love Salesforce and CRM and, and HubSpot and all of the other tools, you've got to, to really understand what's happening. You've got to pull all that data together and do more advanced reporting to, to see where the trends are, to see where the problem areas are. And the, 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 the final thing I think is you need good messaging and you've got to have a good process inside your business to get that messaging into the heads of people. And that's, those, those are the, thing that, the, the key areas uh, that, that I see. Interesting. Interesting. Got it. Okay. So you, you've talked about intent platform, automation, outbounding, metrics management. And then obviously on top of all these, the messaging piece is very critical. You, you haven't mentioned, you know, so, so intent, obviously G2 trust radius, Bombora, and then, you know, six cents and, and uh, demand base all also offer that you haven't talked about kind of like the advertising piece, the, the IP targeted ads, or, you know, kind of like the account reporting that some of these tools kind of offer. What are your thoughts on that front? So ad- advertising, I think, is, is very business specific. Um, mm. And it depends on the kind of ad- advertising campaign that you're, that you're focused on uh, and the type of customers that you're focused on. I think in our kind of new privacy conscious world, advertising is becoming increasingly difficult to target effectively. And it can still be very effective, but it, I wouldn't consider it a core component of a good ABM strategy. I think your ABM strategy should should exist without technology and without advertising. And advertising is a, is a boost to it rather than the core of it. Yeah, I love it. I love it because there's, a, there's some people that come in and say, yeah, we do ABM and we do these targeted ads and boom, there you go. Um, yeah. That's our ABM. So, so that's, 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 I think it's a very interesting pr- uh, perspective that kind of you bring to the table that we're, you're talking about, hey, advertising is really like that third, fourth layer that uh, one must, uh, must think about. Okay. Let's talk about how these work together because there is obviously, you know, we talked about outbounding, we talked about kind of intent, there's sales, there's marketing. How, how does all this kind of come together or, or you've kind of put them together? So my, my approach is technology kind of comes second. What, what comes first is a good process. So you start by designing your ABM process without technology. It's, it's about uh, really understanding your target accounts and making sure that you've got the processes. So the processes for marketing, for sales, for product management, for messaging, that everything kind of fits together. And then the technology layers into the process. And again, I try and go with a, with a hub and spoke style configuration. So everything connects into one system. When you start chaining systems together, you're going to have more and more problems um, keeping your data organized and being able to generate any kind of reporting to tell you what's working. Those, those are the kind of two key things. You've got to think about your relationship with sales to make sure that the accounts that you're bringing in are the ones that they want, that they're in what I call the, the Goldilocks zone. They're not, they're not too early. They're not too late. They're just right, right at that buying point. To, to keep your program credible. Got it. Got it. Okay. So totally understand that. And, 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 I, and I really like your perspective that, hey, don't think about, even though we're talking about tech here, mm-hmm. you really have to think about that process and system systems for your ABM to be in place and then tech to come on top of that. Does that also mean from, you know, you talked about kind of metrics management, 
they use Snowflakes and Power BI. Does that mean that even from Snowflake is also going to the source of truth and, and Power BI and pulling that information from from Salesforce or they, they pull it from different different source points? Yeah, so Salesforce tends to be the the central location for what I call the core data. Which are the accounts, who are the contacts, and broadly what's happening inside the account. But you get a, a wealth of additional information from HubSpot or from your advertising platform, and all of that extra data is too much, and it would be too expensive to try and keep it all in Salesforce. So we pull all of that together and put that in uh, Snowflake. So Snowflake contains all of the source systems as well as the aggregated, kind of distilled, summarized data that Salesforce has. So Salesforce is still your source of truth for understanding where something is right now. But if you want to know what was happening in the past or um, get into the detail below the kind of summarized level that lives in Salesforce, you can go either to the source system or you can go to the Power BI reports, which are just aggregating all the data and pulling it together from the different sources. We can really get right. into the into the weeds of what was what was happening in that particular campaign. Interesting, interesting. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, let's talk about uh, let's talk about this and in, in, in specifically source of truth. So you talked about Salesforce being the source of truth, but it also sounds like there are information that sits outside of Salesforce. At least the configuration that you've you've put in place at the Primo. Um, how do you make sure that the, the source of truth still remains a source of truth, but you also don't end up with, um, with, with data silos, even though there's some of the stuff that you are, is not, for example, in Salesforce? It's, it's probably one of the biggest challenges, to be, to be fair. There's, there's a set of kind of guidelines, I guess, that I, that I try and keep, which is what, what information do you need at your fingertips to make a decision? And there's a, there's a certain level of data quality that is useful for an immediate decision. And then if you need more quality, you can end up in a kind of, uh, I'm sure you've heard the analysis paralysis, right? You spend too long trying to get the perfect data. Mm. And actually, the data that you've got at your hands is good enough to make a decision today. And a mediocre decision today is better than a perfect decision made in two weeks' time. So understanding what is good enough for now, and that, that is true, that is the truth. But if you want to spend more time and really get into the weeds, because something doesn't make sense, then we'll pull that together and do a kind of one-time analysis. Or if it's something that is more apparent as a problem and maybe we need to change a process or get additional, data, additional detail of data into Salesforce, then we'll build that out and, and integrate that. But it, it really is just ma making sure that you've got enough of the right data to make the decisions that you need to be able to make operationally on a daily basis is in the right place. Because you can spend your entire life trying to synchronize everything. And that's, you don't need it all, all the time. Got it. Got it. Interesting. One of the, so the, the, the Snowflake Power BI component is very interesting for me because one of the things that ABM platforms kind of promote is that they're going to provide you with that, you know, one view of the account in terms of what's happening. We're going to give you the intent data, you know, what, what are they engaging with, yada, yada, yada. We're going to give all that to you. But it doesn't sound like that is as, as, as applicable for what you're doing 
or your area of focus, what are your thoughts on, on some of those capabilities of ABM platforms when, when they say, hey, we're going to give you one view of, of the account and you kind of get to see everything from, from that angle? Yeah, so I think this is where I'm I'm kind of a, a, a bit of a bitter, jaded old man when it comes to technology. Even though I've spent my entire career in technology, it, it never lives up to the promise. And I prefer to be able to have the flexibility of customizing something when I need to. Because there, there's always something new coming out. There's always something different and a, and, a, and a quirk of the data that you're not expecting. And while some of the platforms have a lot of flexibility in reporting and integrations, they don't always give you the exact thing that you're looking for. And having the flexibility of a framework of tools rather than a kind of pre-baked walled garden that you're playing in gives you that flexibility to customize your reporting and analysis for your business and the challenges that you're facing right now. And I know that that might not be for everybody, but it's the way that I've always built the tools because it gives you that flexibility to understand where your business needs are today, where your challenges are today, and the specific kind of intricacies of the way that your business is operating or your tools are working or the way that you do advertising is not the way that the uh, ABM technology expected you to do it. And being kind of inside that walled garden prevents you from getting to the bottom of the metrics or the, the, the fundamental data challenges that you, that you might be experiencing. So I guess, Phil, one of the questions that I have is considering a lot of the data sits in Salesforce, but not all the data. Uh, it, it sounds like from from the from at least the setup that you have at Primo, some of the main stuff sits in in Salesforce, but some of the data points don't. How do you make sure that the CRM Salesforce in this case stays the source of truth, and you don't create these data silos that draw people away from from the source of truth? Yeah, it's a it's a it's a challenging environment, and probably one of the one of the most difficult ones that we face on a daily basis. The real solution to it is about making sure that you've got the right information it, that's uh, in, in the right place at the right time to make the right decision. And there's always an abundance of data in all of these different tools. And it's about having and collecting and summarizing the right level of information to be able to make the decision. Because you can always, you can always make a decision on, on the data that you have. And it's about making sure that you've got enough of the right data to make that decision because you can end up in a analysis paralysis and spend too long investigating and understanding the data to make the right decision. Whereas if you've got enough to make a decision today, that's going to be a lot more effective than making a decision in two weeks' time because you're two weeks ahead of your competitor in that scenario. And sometimes the data that you make isn't perfect. The decision you make on the data isn't perfect and there is actually more detail behind it that you need to go and analyze. So go back and analyze that and then either enrich the data in your in your primary source of truth or update the processes to make sure that that's maintained um, if you get an exception. But generally, it's about making sure that you've got enough information to be able to make the decision. It might not be perfect, but it's enough to make the right decision. Got it. Okay. The other thing that I wanted to ask you is, you know, you, you kind of like talked about the tools that you use and you, you talked about how Snowflake and, and Power BI really are used for, for visualization. One of the things that 
if if somebody starts to research ABM tech, one of the things that you see the, as 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 the at the very beginning is the ABM platforms making the promise of giving you a full view of what is the account, what is the experience of the account, what is happening with the account. Hey, here's information about the intent data for the account. Here's the information in terms of what they're doing with the ads. Here's the information, right? So they, they there is that promise of we're going to give you the full view of the of the account. I guess my question is what happened that you decided to go down that uh, building that snowflake power bi dashboard versus kind of relying on some of the abm platforms what are your thoughts on on some of that account view that abm platforms offer i think for the most part the 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 promise of technology doesn't always meet the the expectations and i I can say that from being in the industry for you know 20, 20 plus years and while the the delivery has definitely got better, you know, technology is far superior to what I ever thought it would be 20 years ago. It still d- never meets the kind of intricacies and the the level of customization that you need for your business. Every business that I've worked in has been totally different and operated in very, very different markets and very different processes. But the the, the one thing that remains the same is that you that you have your process before your technology and the technology is going to change. The pace of that technology change is also increasing. So I don't like being hamstrung by a particular vendor to get everything done. I like having the flexibility of a toolkit to get me the things that I need rather than Mm. relying on a single vendor to solve all of my needs. And the having the toolkit of Snowflake and Power BI I can build pretty much any kind of reporting. So if, if, for example, our marketing team identifies a new advertising source that isn't integrated into our ABM stack, we can start using it straight away. I don't have to wait to get that integration. I can just plug it into Snowflake. And if I have to build my own connector, we can do that. But it lets me get up and running much quicker and be a lot more flexible with the the platforms that we choose, we don't have to have integrations. Now, the platforms do integrate broadly with a lot of different technologies, but there's there's always a scenario that comes out where there's this weird thing, we want to be able to do it. Okay, how are we going to get the data out? Oh, there's an API or they can send us an export. All right, cool, let's get it in. Let's start working with it. Let's experiment. Let's see what happens. And, and just remaining flexible, having loosely coupled systems helps you be a lot more flexible in that, in that environment. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting point of view. Love that. I guess my next question is, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen people make when they're trying to build their tech stack? Now, usually, you know, ABM is a, is a pretty big piece in, in, in B2B space when, when one is building a tech stack. But overall, what are some of the mistakes that you've seen people make uh, when attempting this? I think the, the, the one that I've seen most often is it it's been too reliant on the technology, which, which is kind of bizarre being t- a technology guy, is, is, is picking a technology and only doing what that technology lets you do. You've got to be innovative. You've got to go out there and try new things and see what else is on the market and find what works for you. Best practices are vastly different from industry to industry, from business to business. Every business is different. The way your business operates, the way your customers buy is different than the way their customers buy at a different organization. 
you've got to be willing to go and try new things and not be stuck in the way that the technology that you're using makes you do it. Mm. So it, again, comes back to the, my point earlier. What, what really matters is the process. What is your program? The technology layers on it. Mold the technology to fit your program. Don't make your program fit the technology. Being restrict- restricted by a technology. That's so good. Yeah. Or not even so much restricted, but just kind of it, it, it controls what, it, what, what you can do. And because they don't integrate with this or they don't support this kind of technology or it, it just makes you do things that might not be right for you. And it might, it might be good enough to get you started. But once you get to a certain level of maturity, you're going to want to do things that the technology doesn't let you. Mm, mm, interesting. Interesting. Okay. All right. Is there, I have some rapid fire questions I want to ask you, but before we kind of get to those, is there anything else with regards to building ABM tech stack that you think maybe I didn't touch on or it's important for us to talk about? I think you've been very comprehensive. Um, I think from, from the couple of companies that I've, that I've worked at with ABM stacks, the biggest difference more so than the technology is the targeting understanding what your target market is are you going for new name are you going for customer expansion are you a primarily b2b b2c like understanding where your people live and what they do is the most important step like how they buy and where do they hang out if you can get those two things right then your abm program will just will form around that got it got it got it okay no i really appreciate that did you miss out on our recent webinar on increasing your share of wallet with abm and customer marketing well not to worry you can listen to the session right here on growth colony or you can watch the event on the xgrowth youtube channel and while you're there check out our previous webinars and other events you may have missed both links will be waiting for you in the pod description below. Enjoy the rest of the episode. All right, let's do some rapid fire questions, sir. So first question I have is, what is one resource? It could be a book, a blog, a podcast, talk, whatever it is, that has fundamentally had a, had a fundamental impact on the way you work a live. Wow. There was a book I picked up a good number of years ago, probably 10, 15 years ago, called The Naked Leader, written by an author called David Taylor, I think. It's the best management book that I've, that I've ever read. Just getting back to basics, learning how to work with people and just be your, be your honest self. Love that. Love that. If people are interested to know more about RevOps, you know, building tech stacks. Uh, I understand revenue operations is more than just building the tech stack. But if somebody wants to kind of get more information about that and, and really elevate their understanding, are there are there resources that you kind of re- refer to regularly? Are there books? Are there kind of websites? Are there newsletters? Does anything come to mind? There's there's a few things. I would say the 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 one that has been most comprehensive is the uh, winning by design methodology. I'm not sure if you're familiar with that or heard about it. Yep. Um, it's, yep. a, it's a very interesting methodology that really tackles the customer journey as a whole in modern SaaS environments, more so than anything else that I've, that I've uh, tinkered with. Um, go check that out. So, that's awesome. All right. 
Fantastic. Next question is if you could give one advice to B2B marketers or operations team in, in, in revenue operations teams, what would that advice be? Build better relationships with your teams, with the people that you're going to be working with, because everything comes down to that. You know, the technology and the, the tooling, it doesn't really matter if you've got good sound relationships and you understand how your organization works and where the levers are in your organization, that's going to make you successful. Love it. Love it. Okay. Who are some of the influencers that you follow in the in the RevOps space? I actually don't have a great answer for that one. I don't really follow many influencers in the RevOps space. There's there was a guy that I met. I went to went to a conference. I think he organized the conference a few years back. A guy by the name of Pete Laha. He runs an organization called Conversion XL. Highly focused on conversion rate optimization. He's an amazing guy. Super smart. He's one guy that I that I continually follow and and stay in uh, stay on his heels. Yeah, Pip is great. Pip has been on the podcast and and he's awesome. He's awesome. Oh, I had no, I had no idea. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it was it was a while back. It was a while. We probably have to bring him back. But um, but no, he's he's uh, he's definitely a uh, a gold mine of insights. No, great. Last question is: What's something that excites you about B two B today? The speed of change the when I, when I when i started in this industry you know you, you could you could do the same thing time and time again year on year and have great results that's no longer the case you know your competitors are on your heels the technology is changing on a weekly basis and i love the pace of change and the pace of change is increasing um, and that just keeps it interesting it's never a dull day love it love it Phil, this was an awesome conversation. Just want to say thank you very much for for coming on the podcast and for sharing all the insights. Really, really appreciate it. Oh, no problem. It's been my pleasure. Fantastic. Today's episode of Growth Colony was produced by Alexander Hipwell and Liza Maywald. It was edited by Dave Semedo with additional editing by Liza Maywald and music arrangement by Alexander and Liza. Special thanks to Tina Wabe. We couldn't make the show without you. Growth Colony is hosted by Shaheen Hoda, Director of Growth at Extra. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and give us a rating on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Do you think you'd be a great guest or just keen for a chat? Send through an email at podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's podcast at xgrowth.com.au. That's all for now. We'll catch you next week right here on Growth Colony.